everyone, and welcome to That Time When, the comedy history podcast where we tell you strange things that happened in history. I'm Amelia Edwards, and with me is my co-host Barnaby King. Hello there. And today I think I'm going to do more recent history than I have ever done before. Oh, brilliant. Just like I did last week. <laughs> yep. Well, we're going to go even more recent than World Ooh. War Two. Today we're doing the late 60s. Oh, brilliant. Before I know. we continue, though, okay. I have a bit of clarification from <gasps> last week. Uh, thank you once again to Sam, who gave us the idea last week for doing uh, Mad Jack Churchill. Mm-hmm. He actually got back in touch to explain something that we kind of had a bit of a question about last week. Was it the Norwegian Olympics? No, (laughs) although it was related to Norway. Okay. It was why the Norwegian Explorers and Adventurers Society gave him their highest honour. Okay. So it seems that Norway had uh, quite a love of Mad Jack Churchill. All right. Because of his uh, close connections to a national hero, uh, Captain Martin Linge or Linger. Uh, I'm not entirely sure because I'm not great on the pronunciation. Fair enough. Who was kind of a Norwegian Jack Churchill from the sounds of things. And uh, Mad Jack was, as we know last week, part of Operation Archery, Mm -hmm. which was actually the operation where this captain died. Oh. So he seemed to have a sort of bit of a close connection with the Norwegian military. And it was a sort of like, it was an honour because Mm. of his adventurous lifestyle. So he wasn't an explorer. Okay. It was just that he was an adventurous person who had a bit of an impact on Norwegian military. Fair enough. The Norwegians are really nice to us. <laughs> yes, I know. They give us Christmas trees, don't they? They do give us a Christmas tree every year, yeah. which is super nice <laughs> um, because of our part in World War Two. Yep. I don't think they give a Christmas tree to anyone else, which, you know, feels a little bit awkward, but uh, you know, well. hey, Norway, we see you over there. Hey there. We, we went on holiday to Norway. It was lovely. It was a delightful <laughs> place. Okay. Anyway, but on to this week. On to this week. So this week, I'm going to talk a little bit about music. Okay. And I'm going to be honest, I don't know all the specific terms for things. So right. the terms I'm using are ones that come from the internet. Mm-hmm. Um, I apologize in advance if I get things wrong. I'm so curious now. But Barnaby... How much do you know about Aretha Franklin? Well, I know she was in Blues Brothers because we watched that and that was the first time I watched that uh, quite recently. That's true. We watched it a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> yep. Um, and she turns up and sings Respect. Yep. Actually, no, it's not Respect, is oh, it? Oh, no, it's... um. Oh. You better think, but I can't remember what the name of the song is. I can't remember. Anyways, she sings a song. I'm, it's a I'm, very powerful song. Yeah, I'm sure it'll be very frustrating for those in our audience who do know the song and are now shouting at their podcast devices. It was... I was really hoping I'd remember it then. Didn't work. No, it didn't work. Okay. So this is a story tangential to Aretha Franklin. Okay. Um, so I'm going to start off with a man called Lavelle Hardy. Okay. So it's early January 1969. Mm-hmm. And Lavelle Hardy was a James Brown impersonator. Ah, okay. Um, he actually got offered a tour of the UK under his stage name, James Brown Jr. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. That's a good impersonator then. Yeah, he was apparently really good. um, And he would have been paid $200 a night for this. But Lavelle Hardy had some bigger dreams. He didn't want to tour the UK as James Brown. He wanted to tour as Lavelle Hardy. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, So... 
Incidentally, by the way, this kind of impersonation was going on all the time. Mm -hmm. Like, so much so that James Brown also impersonated somebody. Oh, wow. Um, Apparently, he and Little Richard had the same agent at one point. And this was at a point, apparently, where Little Richard was way more popular than James Brown. So James Brown went out on stage as Little Richard. (laughs) People realized he obviously wasn't Little Richard, and he charmed the audience by doing backflips until they gave in. (laughs) (laughs) Wow, that's amazing. Yeah, Little Richard does kind of feel like been not lost to history but you know he was definitely much bigger during his time than he has been since i feel i think so I, whereas I'm... we still know james brown because he was also in blues brothers yes yeah uh, i'm sure there are probably many people who study this sort of period of history or music history yeah and are very annoyed at me saying that but you know i i i, I don't have experience in this so I'm that, just, that's I'm, fine. i calls it as i sees it that's in this fine case. that's okay um Okay, so Lavelle Hardy, though, Mm -hmm. he's a James Brown impersonator. And one night in early January, he decides to go to the Pink Garter, which is a grocery store turned nightclub. Wow. Okay, you said grocery store. And in my head, I was just like, doesn't sound like a grocery store. Turned nightclub. Okay, that makes sense. But what? What? Are, are uh, they slipping on fruit and veg that has been left over? <laughs> is I, it a grocery store during the day and a nightclub during the night? I think that what this was, was that it was a nightclub. Right. But it was in a black neighbourhood in Richmond, Virginia. Okay. Um, And this was, you know, part of, like, during the uh, civil rights movement. Mm-hmm. Um, Martin Luther King had just been assassinated. Oh, right. Um, So I guess the idea was like for people who were fans of like Motown music, Mm -hmm. um, but didn't have loads of money, this is where you'd go. Ah, okay. So you go listen to music Mm -hmm. and also pick up some delicious apples. Of course. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Sorry, I'm just imagining it as like... um, Somerset farmers just manning the counter oh my god while there's yes. this nightclub stuff going on there beside it I know exactly what you've got in your head yeah. you're imagining that it's like the Sussex Produce Company or something <laughs> down in Stenning like yeah. um one of those places where you go and get only organic foods and every apple costs four quid because of how well it was looked after. Yes. I think when they say grocery store, they mean like a co-op. Yeah, that does make more sense. But yeah. I'm definitely thinking like uh, my granddad's sort of thing. Okay, fine. Like <laughs> you, you go ahead with your imagination. Uh, by the way... Hello there, sir. That'll be four shillings for the apples. And would you love to sit down over there and listen to some delightful Motown music? <laughs> That'd be great. <laughs> uh, by the way, the um, two hundred dollars that James Brown, the James Brown impersonator, was going to get paid, mm-hmm. that was around one thousand seven hundred fifty dollars in today's money. Not bad per night. Per night, yeah, per not night. bad at all. Not bad at all. So, on this night, on stage as well as Lavelle Hardy is a performer called Vicky Jones, mm-hmm. and Vicky Jones sang "Respect" by Aretha Franklin. Okay. She not only sounded exactly like Franklin, right? but she also looked very ah. similar to her as well. She had a wig that exactly matched Franklin's hair, mm-hmm. and she also did her eye makeup exactly the same way. So, Vicky Jones yeah. was the stage name of Mary Jane Jones, who was a 27-year-old hairdresser and mother to four boys. Right. She had had already an insane life so she got married at the age of 19 but her first husband had died 
leaving her with one son. Then she remarried, but her second husband, Bobby Jones, was a violent alcoholic. Oh, no. And so she divorced him in 1968. So by the time she turns up at the Pink Garter singing exactly like Aretha Franklin, she's already a divorced mother of four. Mm. um, And she also had dreams Mm. um so she had been touring as part of a gospel choir for the previous six years wow right through all of that yeah that's got to be yeah that's got to be a hell of a lot of effort to go to Mm -hmm. (laughs) while you're dealing with you know an abusive husband yeah but i would say like given the tone of franklin's music there's got to be some like sort of great catharsis having gone through that and Mm -hmm. now you're singing like respect or anything like that. Well, the thing is that she had a lot of similarities to Aretha Franklin in real life. Mm -hmm. So Aretha Franklin also started off by singing in a gospel choir. Okay. Um, She had only been famous for the past two years. Oh, wow. Um, So in 1927, she had been signed with Atlantic Records. Right. Um, but by 1969, she had won four Grammy Awards Oof. and had sold 1.5 million albums. Damn. So she had shot to stardom. Yeah. A side note to this, she also had a bit of a tragic life, Aretha Franklin. Um, during the time when she was famous, like when she was becoming famous for those two years, she also had an abusive husband. Oh, for God's sake. I know. God damn it, husbands. I know. Can they just calm down? Yeah. Guys. <laughs> okay. So, Vicky Jones, very similar to Aretha Franklin, mm-hmm. um, hadn't managed to get the fame, though. So, she moonlighted in nightclubs to try to earn extra money to help feed her four kids. Right. Um, she earned $10 a night. Okay. Which, you know, not very much. Yeah. So, Lavelle sees her on stage. And he saw that she had massive potential. Mm. So he suggested that she go touring with him across Florida. And she said no. Um, She said no because she didn't have the bus fare Ah, to get to Florida in the first place. And she'd never been to Florida. She didn't know anyone there. Was he not offering her travel expenses? I think he did in a bit. Okay. (laughs) Uh, Because he held on. He said, look, I can get you to open for Aretha Franklin. Wow. And he said, and you'll get paid $1,000. Whoa, that's crazy. I know. So imagine being um, Vicky Jones. Yeah. At that moment, you're told, you know, you can open for your heroine, this yeah. lady you've been really, uh, you've been really believing in because she really loved Aretha Franklin. She was doing her eyes in the particular way yeah. that Aretha Franklin was doing it because she loved her so much. And she saw her as like, this ambition that she could have as well. Like, she was a gospel singer. She could make it really big by changing from gospel to Motown. Are we sure that they're not both Aretha Franklin? (laughs) No, we've got pictures of them. But no, 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 I'm not saying that. I'm saying that at some point in Aretha Franklin's history, she falls through a sort of dimensional rift Mm -hmm. and we have a sort of sliding doors moment. (laughs) And in one version, she becomes famous very quickly. In the yeah. other one, she doesn't, and so becomes an impersonator of herself. That would be wild. Yes. I don't think that's what's happening, How but let's dare pretend you? it. How dare you shoot down my ideas? <laughs> God damn it, I'm going to inject some supernatural shit into the history of this if if it's the last thing I do. Well, you always do. Well, yes, generally. Yeah, that's <laughs> I think back to Cassius Marcellus Clay. <laughs> <laughs> he was definitely a vampire, though. <laughs> okay, so... 
Um, the problem is that obviously Lavelle Hardy had no way of getting to Aretha Franklin. Mm. He was also, you know, not that a successful yeah. guy. Um, so Jones goes down to Florida with him mm-hmm. and he immediately tells her, you know, you're in trouble if you don't do what I say. What? Because you don't have the bus fare to get home. What? And if you don't do as I tell you, I will throw you in the bay. What the hell? And she could not swim. So what she was hell? terrified of him. Whoa, okay, whoa. This is I know. gone zero to 100 so quick. So he's actually an arsehole. Oh, yes. Oh, from what I am, I know, the real James Brown was an asshole as well. So maybe he's just so. impersonating him in that regard. <laughs> I don't think James Brown ever kidnaps anyone, which is what Lavelle Hardy has just yeah. done. <laughs> no, that's that's awful. What the yep. hell? Yep. So Lavelle Hardy decides that Vicky Jones is going to impersonate Aretha Franklin. Yeah. Um, they set up Aretha Franklin concerts, mm-hmm. um, and she had to go and perform in them and pretend that she was the real thing. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. <laughs> so they are genuinely swindling people now. Yes, they are. Oh, my God. So uh, Hardy contacted local promoters in Florida, and he claimed to represent Miss Franklin. Right. And he said that they usually charge $20,000 per performance, but um, that they would accept $7,000 for a limited time. And obviously these promoters were like, that's such a great deal. Oh, my God. It's almost too good to be true. It is. So, um, hey, I've got this diamond ring, but I need to sell it quickly. <laughs> now it's worth fifty thousand pounds, but I'm going to sell it to you for forty pence. Am I right? Like, that's such a great deal. Yeah. I'll take ten of them. Oh, yep, typical right. con man, basically. Yeah. Uh, Not even original. I, I mean, know. God, get some new ideas. Well, he can't get new ideas. He's already a James Brown impersonator. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. So. The two of them travelled to three small towns across Florida and Hardy fed Jones two hamburgers a day and kept her locked in hotel rooms while they what were performing. What the hell? I know. This is dark. It's okay. It, it gets bright I mean, again. I'm sure it does, but like... Yeah. Uh, this is not what I was expecting when we were going into this episode. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, no. Oof. Dark stuff happens. Yeah, fair enough. I mean, yeah. So, yeah, apparently she was, like, pretty terrified and she was scared that they'd get found out. Um, apparently, you know, she kept trying to quit it, but yeah. he kept saying, you know, if they find out that you've been impersonating Aretha, then you're going to be, you know, up Sheet Creek, basically. And I'm, on top of all that, I'll throw you in the bay. Exactly. And she's like, we're not near a bay. And he's like, I'll find a bay. We're in Florida. We're not far from one. <laughs> No matter where we are in the world, there will be a bay nearby. <laughs> um, I shouldn't make jokes about that. It's horrific. I know, I know. <laughs> so the thing was that they'd been traveling around small clubs. Mm-hmm. Um, but Hardy had his sights set on higher things. Right. So in Fort Myers, he booked the High Hat Club, which had 1,400 seats. Right. And they still managed to swindle everyone. Like, even though they had booked out the whole of the club, everyone believed it was Aretha as soon as she started to sing. They were like, it's her. That's incredible. At some point, surely, Aretha Franklin or someone close to her is going to be like, Aretha, are you playing this place (laughs) this evening? Because it says you are and it's sold out. She's like, what the f*** are you talking about? Oh my God, you've 
predicted my next point. Oh, nice. Because for some reason, okay. I this- mean, it's clear it wasn't going to last. Like, you try and impersonate a very famous yeah. person. <laughs> if you don't stick to, like, very small clubs, which is like, I mean, you people have got to question why they're playing there in the first place. But yeah, as soon as you try and, like, make it bigger, mm-hmm. it's going to be noticed. Yeah. Yeah, it really will. And fate kind of decreed that it would be noticed. Excellent. Okay, so as I'm as I've already mentioned, Aretha Franklin had her own abusive husband, yeah. Ted White, who was also her manager. Oh. I know. Horrible situation. Man. Yeah, this is grim. Mm-hmm. But she left him. Yay! Yay! In early 1969. Right. And she decided that, you know, maybe she needed a little bit of a break mm-hmm. down in the sunshine. So she went to the Fountain Blue Hotel in Miami Beach ah. in Florida, ah. uh, where she'd planned to do some performances <laughs> and work on her divorce papers. And she sees a big poster saying that she's playing somewhere. And she's like, shit, am I? I've got to be there, like, now. Well, yeah, there were posters everywhere for this concert that Aretha Franklin was giving um, in a place called Akala, which I've never heard of, but apparently the Southeastern Livestock Pavilion in Akala has got... (laughs) (laughs) Okay, I'm a... Okay, I'm going to assume this is like the corn exchange yeah, in I think Brighton. It is. Yeah. Where it's like, it used to be this, and now it's like a concert hall. <laughs> I, th- I really think that's what's going on. It is funny to say, though. <laughs> Especially because you are imagining people trying to sing, like, think over, like, mmm. <laughs> Just... I'm, Imagine. I'm sure there's a thing. There's there's some some sort of sitcom or animated thing where the like people are starting out a band or something and they're doing shows in like these hick towns in America and there are like cows and pigs <laughs> in the audience. I mean, it doesn't it seems like Akala may be like a reasonable town. Apparently mm. their concert venue has got a four thousand two hundred capacity. And how many pigs? Like ten thousand, I don't yeah, know. Fair enough, yeah. <laughs> So, yeah. Pigs love Aretha Franklin. (laughs) Well known for it. Farmers nowadays actually pipe her music into the pens. It just helps calm them down. Which is surprising because it's such upbeat music. Well, yeah. But, you know, they're just sort of like, ah, this is nice. Like, I'm having a good vibe to this. I see, I see. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, while the team were planning her Miami Beach shows, they discovered that she was already performing um, at the Southeastern Livestock Pavilion. And so Franklin's attorney immediately calls up um, this guy, Gus Musley, Musley, I think, mm-hmm. um, who was Marion County's prosecutor. Right. Um, and we're like, hey, have you heard about this Aretha Franklin show in Akala? Mm-hmm. And he was like, well, of course I've heard about that show. My wife's <laughs> a massive fan. We've got tickets. <laughs> Okay. And the attorney's like, um, yeah, sorry, bad news, bud. Uh, <laughs> she's actually a fraud. I am Miss Franklin's attorney, and that's total bullshit. She's not going to Akala and doing a show for five pound five dollar fifty a ticket, which was the amount. Five dollar fifty a ticket yeah. or six dollars for you and your pig. Yeah, of course. <laughs> I mean that's kind of a discount. That's a good discount, yeah. I'd take that up. <laughs> Find me a pig. <laughs> do they accept rabbits? <laughs> do rabbits count as livestock? I guess they do. Lombardi is not livestock. 
That's true. He's at my feet right now. He's a good boy. He's a very good boy. All right. So, uh, <laughs> Maslay called up a man called Totes Bigelow. What? No. Yes. Totes Bigelow. <laughs> Is Totes that guy Bigelow? Bigelow. Oh, he's Totes Bigelow. <laughs> the most Bigelow. That's amazing. Yeah. Okay, is he any relation, though, to Bob Bigelow? I don't think so. I think that Bigelow might be a reasonably common American name, which is great because it's so funny. It's a great name, but even better is the first name Totes. Totes. Totes (laughs) Bigelow. (laughs) Sorry. I don't think I'm going to get over that. No, I don't think you should. Totes Bigelow. (laughs) Oh, man. Yeah, continue. Oh, continue. sure. So, Totes Bigelow was the chief investigator at the Marion County Sheriff's Office. Oh, my God. <laughs> PC Totes Bigelow. Uh, yeah, he called himself a detective. Oh, so my God. Detective Totes Bigelow. Detective Totes. <laughs> detective Bigelow. Detective Totes Bigelow. <laughs> you wouldn't take him seriously. You would not, but I mean, apparently I mean, the people of Florida really could. Well, I mean, obviously Totes is a modern Yeah, I know. Term, but, like... Wow. I cannot think of it as a name. No, no. Um, He's not actually a big part of the story, but I had to include him because I thought Totes Bigelow was just... It would be a crime to to leave Totes Bigelow out of this story. Yeah. (laughs) Totes. Although Totes would be a great pet name, don't you think? Like if you had a if you had a puppy called Totes. I could see that, yeah, yeah. yeah. I think I'm not not the first name I'd pick, but then again, our rabbit is called Lombardi. Yeah, that's true. Uh, <laughs> after another, another podcast. podcast. <laughs> oh man, we need to think of other good surnames that would go with Totes. I mm. think. Mm. Totes Farkerson. <laughs> <laughs> Totes Trachtenberg. <gasps> yeah, like Michelle Trachtenberg yes. or Buffy. <laughs> Totes Trachtenberg. Yes. Okay. So, <sighs> right. Totes Bigelow and yeah. his partner Stevens took their job really seriously. I know, so boring. <sighs> so boring. <laughs> they took their job really seriously. Yeah. And basically, they pieced together Hardy's movements because they found, like, they went through and researched for every single place that he was going to be. Yeah. And they, they checked to see if there were any bays nearby. Absolutely. Um, and they tracked him down. So Hardy and Jones were captured at Akala Club Valley's nightclub, and Hardy was charged with false advertising. Nice. Um, not kidnapped though. God damn it! Um, I, is this why? Well, Stevens. Right has said in interviews that he did not think that Vicky Jones was actually telling the truth about being kidnapped. Right. He was like, she didn't have a gun to her head. Like, nobody forced her to do this. You don't have to, like, you don't have to be constantly in imminent danger of being killed to be kidnapped. I know. I know. It's got a complete misunderstanding of how threat works. Yeah. But that was his, that was his opinion. And, um, when when confronted with the thing about like having two hamburgers a day he said well everyone eats hamburgers not because we have to but because they're delicious oh my god i know i don't like stevens <sighs> no i don't like stevens i hope totes bigelow smacks him upside the head <laughs> you go totes you okay go, totes. so you um, progressive thinker you now hardy 
Okay, so Hardy's lawyer pops up at the Marion County's prosecution office Mm -hmm. um, and gives the best defense of a client that I've ever heard. Okay. He said, well, I think he's been punished enough because he's paid my legal fees. Um, (laughs) Is he doing a stand-up routine or something? (laughs) Why hasn't the poor boy suffered enough after the exorbitant prices I charge for my services? Well, so apparently um, Hardy had around $7,000 on him. Right. Which he had paid all of to his lawyer, Don Denson. Um, and Denson was like, we just about cleaned him out. And, uh, well, this is a fine, upstanding gentleman. He paid me to say this. <laughs> Well, okay, so I think the idea was, like, they didn't think that it was that big of a crime because they only saw his crime as being false advertising. Right. And they were like, well, he has paid $7,000, like, literally all the money. And they basically like, well, he didn't make much, so it's all right. Yeah, I think so. Oh, my God. And they also said it's okay because Vicky Jones was so good that it basically wasn't a swindle. That's not, that's not relevant to No, I know. (laughs) I don't oh my know. God. I don't know what's going on with Marion <sighs> County, but no, the people there Toast Bigelow needs to kick the door in and shake shit up. <laughs> he he is definitely the one to clean up this system. It's a corrupt system, man, and I, Toast Bigelow, <laughs> am the man to fix it all. Yeah. Okay. So it gets even weirder. When Bigelow. It, when it Totes comes, Bigelow. <laughs> when it comes to Jones. Okay. So she couldn't afford a lawyer. No. Um, She's been kidnapped. (laughs) Yes, I know. Um, She couldn't afford a lawyer. So she pleaded her own case in front of Gus Musley. Mm -hmm. And Musley just straight up believed that she was a victim in this situation. Good. Um, And so, and he said, you know, she's away from her four boys with no way to get back to them. Yeah. What is happening to them during this time? Oh, they're being looked after by her mother. Right. Okay. Um, but they will come back into our story. Oh, good. I have been worried about them. <laughs> oh, no. Like, <laughs> there is some worry about them, but don't worry. Right, don't worry. okay. Because for some reason, Vicky Jones's life at this point turns into a sort of feel-good movie. Okay. Okay, so. Is this feel-good like an actual feel-good? Or is this a feel-good in the same way that people said Slumdog Millionaire was a feel-good No, this film? is actually feel-good. Oh, okay. okay. So, first up, Musley is like, she's definitely completely innocent. She's got her four boys to get back to yeah. and no way to do it. Um, like, I believe that she didn't scam anyone. Yeah. But he was interested to know how people could have been so taken in. So he got her to sing to him in his office. and was, Yeah, genuinely. He just wanted a private concert. Yes. <laughs> so he got her to sing an Aretha Franklin song to him and her voice, you know, reverberated around his courtroom. And everyone was like, oh my God, she really does sound like Aretha. <laughs> and then as she left the courthouse... Uh, Ray Green, a white Jacksonville lawyer, steps up to her and says, Hey, are you Vicky Jones? He wanted to represent her as an agent. He's a lawyer. Yeah, yeah, but he was also an entrepreneur. <laughs> like, I may be a lawyer, but I know an opportunity when I smell it. <laughs> he did. So he gave her a $500 advance. Nice. 
she went back to um like where was she from sorry uh she went back to virginia Mm -hmm. to see her sons and then she came back to florida and started touring the u.s in green's limousine oh wow this time round, she ate fine steaks at restaurants. She told reporters, I don't like hamburgers no more. <laughs> Damn. I know. Okay, I, before before we continue, does he get creepy, weird, or abusive? No. Thank God. Okay, good. I can feel happy about this. Like, <laughs> the worst thing about it is that he was a white lawyer and yeah. she's you know obviously black and part of this type of black music yeah. and people apparently did call her out on that a bit mm. like because it is a bit cultural appropriating i guess like making money out of black musicians in a predominantly i guess so but the thing is you know like her life has been rough enough as it is mm-hmm. that you know this blame should not be placed at her doorstep no no Absolutely not. And she stood up for herself for, oh, like, good. For, for these as well. Because this was the thing. She hit stardom running. And all of her responses to everything in newspapers and magazines are, you know, full of self-esteem and sass. Nice. They are wonderful. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. So on February the 6th, like, bear in mind, she only got kidnapped in January. Yeah. On February the 6th, she went on stage at the Sanford Civic Center with Duke Ellington. Um, really big musician. Okay. Like, honestly, like, super famous. <laughs> <laughs> I feel really bad. I don't think I know who that is. Oh, that's fine. Don't worry. <laughs> um, and they, like, he introduced her as being, um, you know, a Florida girl who had got onto the newspapers recently, right. but without mentioning any of the details yeah. about it. And they got onto the front cover of Jet Magazine, which was apparently a super big deal. It had also done a lot on Aretha Franklin. Okay. So she traveled by limousine Mm -hmm. to New York, Detroit, Miami, and Las Vegas. Um, Over the year she she toured for, her fee started off at $450. Whoa. And it rose to $1,500 per night. That's crazy. So she was really successful, like, off her own back, not just on the basis of all of the publicity that this had created for her. I mean, that, that... Okay, this is great for a number of reasons, not least because... Her lower fee is still mm-hmm. twice as much as what's his face was being offered to tour the UK. Yes, it was. He tried to get famous off this as well, ah. but failed miserably. Nobody ah. wanted him and he had to go back to the Pink Garter Club. So the lesson here, ladies and gentlemen, guys, gals, and non-binary pals, mm-hmm. is don't kidnap someone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely don't. Um, yeah, so she... Like this is this is a great point. Jones became so popular as a musician mm-hmm. that back in Virginia, somebody impersonated her. <sighs> so they impersonated an Aretha Franklin impersonator. They did amazing. I know. And then someone impersonated them. <laughs> <laughs> well, apparently there was this African American magazine, which I think is called the African American Magazine. Um, nice, which, straight to the point. Like I it. know, which said, like, where will it end? <laughs> It does seem like celebrity impersonation isn't so much of a thing anymore, but like it definitely was a thing even when like we were children. Like you think of something like stars in your eyes. Oh, true. Yeah. Like 
that that was definitely like it was a big thing to see a lookalike or an impersonator or anything like that. I think it still can be a thing in specific circles, but it's not. It's not as big as it was no, back in the nineties. You though. can't like make a career out of it or like make a big splash about it. Like you'll you'll make a, a TikTok or something, whatever these young people do. <laughs> Uh, where you pretend to be no because because I people lip sync now. Well, what I'm gonna say is you could you do still have drag impersonators. That's mm, still a that's really big true. thing. That's true, but I feel that's it's not it's quite a different the same. skill though, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. No, it just seems to have fallen by the way. So I I, I think it's probably the internet. <laughs> yeah. Well, because suddenly everyone can get on TV. Yeah. So well, not just that, but like. It's no longer quite so much of a novelty because, mm. you know, you can find people who can, like, do all these different things and sing like such and such or looks like such and such. Yeah. And it's really easy. It's not like a novelty anymore. No, that's true. Mm. Yeah, I see what you mean. Yeah. So um, there's neither funny nor interesting, but just my observation. <laughs> no, observations are fine. So basically, uh, between... 1968 and 1971 yeah um the people started getting televisions. Yeah. Like, way more people started getting TVs. So this type of impersonation where people genuinely believed that mm. the person they were seeing was the major celebrity yeah. uh, died off between those years. Oh, okay. So really, um, Vicky Jones is kind of at the tail end of that. Oh, right. Uh, basically because the reason why she could impersonate Aretha Franklin so well was because people had seen black and white photos of... Franklin and they'd heard her songs mm-hmm. but they hadn't necessarily you know seen her up close right. so when she came onto on stage looking vaguely like Aretha right. Franklin um, it wasn't enough yeah exactly right so um, this is kind of the end of the the end of her story this, I don't understand why no one's made a film of this yet no this is great because it's got the perfect yeah. storyline to it. So much so that I had to keep double checking the things I was reading because I yeah. was like, this is too cute. Yeah. Like the fact that she has this horrible thing that happened to her, um, that she manages to wow everyone in the audience every time. Yeah. Um, but, you know, then she gets to go on basically a US tour and make loads of money and eat nice food and make, yeah, like basically the money is really important. Yeah, no. Because... Then, after the year was over, mm-hmm. um, the reason why she retired was effectively that she realised she wanted to spend more time with her sons. Oh, nice. So she'd been going on this massive tour. Yeah. And the problem was that her mother was getting on a bit, apparently. Yeah. So hadn't felt able to look after four boys. No. <laughs> so had let had given them back to her ex-husband. No. The abusive one. No. And he basically told them that their mother had abandoned them and that she didn't want them anymore. Oh, no. So apparently this was like so devastating that one of the kids, whenever an Aretha Franklin song would come on the radio, um, would just turn off the radio because he couldn't bear to hear it, which is super awful. That's dreadful. But one day when she was performing, she saw her sons and like got to see them properly and say hi to them again and realized, you know, 
what exactly was going yeah. on with them. Uh, so she decided that she was going to bring the tour to an end mm. and spend time with them. I think she had a fair amount of money. Yeah, I was going to say, it's like, hey, boys, I got all this money now. I was kidnapped. That's why I went yeah, away. Yeah. <laughs> like, it, like, perhaps, perhaps I could have come and visited you. But you know what? Money. Here you yeah, go. Basically. And you know what? You are... Well, we we are black people in the early 70s in America. Mm -hmm. It's not going to be a great time. So having the money is going to be useful. Absolutely. (laughs) Um, So basically her kids remember her as somebody who would still sing along to Aretha Franklin Mm. songs and used to keep the cover of the Jet magazine thing up. As an example to others, she said she really wanted her story to be an example of how anyone can do something if they put their mind to it. Um, and she also made sure, most importantly to the boys, that they went to school and that they kept going with their education so that they could, you know, make it as well. Yeah. And that they learned the signs that someone is trying to kidnap yeah. you. Yeah. Don't don't follow someone to Florida yeah. if you don't have the money for the bus fare home. Yeah. <laughs> Man, that is crazy. Yeah. That genuinely, that should be a film. Why isn't it a film? Yeah. It's got a perfect rhythm to yeah. it. Yeah. It's got the sad beginning to it and then the stardom and then like the feel good ending yeah. where she spends time with her sons. I mean, I can already see the trailer and it'll be one of those trailers that have like the four star reviews on it yeah. uh, as part of the trailer itself. And it'd have that sort of rising music. And mm-hmm. yeah, no, absolutely. That, it, and then also you can stick in all the Aretha Franklin yeah. songs, which let's face it, everyone still loves Aretha Franklin. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, totally. So, uh, Hollywood, get on that. Yeah. Um, I know it's a rough time because of COVID, but, you know... You can pull, do pull, pull your finger with out. Uh, <laughs> go on, get a wiggle on. <laughs> Make this film. I'm not sure I'd see it, but, you know... <laughs> no, it's not your film. It's not my all. sort of film. I, can, I know it would be a good film, but it's not my sort. Yeah. Uh, but, yes, no, Hollywood, you should do it. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to do it. I've got other things to do. <laughs> thank you so much for listening to that time when if you'd like to follow us you can get on twitter at that time when for you can email us at ttwpod at gmail.com if you uh, would like to suggest a topic or if we've got anything wrong and you'd like us to clarify anything. <laughs> <laughs> and thank you, as ever, to Kevin McLeod for our theme song Anachronist and pretty much any of the other music that I put in these episodes. And thank you to you, the listener. Goodbye. Bye.